Madison's Alternative, 106.7 The Resistance. This week for the Disruptor Series, I'm joined by Leah from Sloth Rust. Hello. Hello, hello. So we are super excited to have you on the show because I feel like you guys have been around for a really long time and don't have the recognition, really, that I think you should have at this point. I'm really excited to expose you a little bit more and kind of get down to who you guys are. You said earlier that you actually have been in Madison before. Did you ever have a chance to to get out and explore or was it just? Yeah, a a little bit. So to my recollection, we've played Madison twice. And one time was a headlining show a couple years ago on our last record. Um, And then the last time was... Uh, the fall of, I guess, 2019, when we were on tour with Highly Suspect. Um, And when we did that headlining show, I remember I was actually really sick. I was like, I was like, oh man, I like wondered if I was going to make it. I was like, oh, this is going to be kind of close. But we did the show and I was really glad we did it. And we had dinner the night before at this restaurant that was so good. I, I don't know what it was. I can't remember what it was called. It was very like, it was very like local, you know, it was like everything there was like grown locally and you know sourced locally and it was it was really good i liked the vibe i wish we had had more time in madison i was really curious about it there it doesn't even really narrow it down a lot because <laughs> there's so many restaurants downtown that really pride themselves in being local so we hope that you can come back and try even more of those places absolutely <laughs> when you were yeah, super good. highly suspect they are kind of one of those border bands where they can be active rock or alternative rock, but they mm-hmm. are definitely towards like the heavier side of alternative rock, which so is Slothrest. Mm-hmm. How did that tour come together? And what was it like to be performing, sharing a stage every night with such a chaotic force? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we met Highly Suspect back when we all lived in Brooklyn. Similar to that, both of our bands have been together for quite a long time. And both kind of came up in a similar way in the sense that we kind of just like started hitting the paint with it and seeing what happened. If we would just like, you know, we're all Slothrust and Highly Suspect are both groups of people that are really thirsty for performance and really love to play in front of crowds and just like feel that energy. And it's not as much about it always being a full room. It's more about showing up to do it and, uh, and seeing what that's like. So we were friends with them from, from back in the day. They, they found Slothrust. I don't know how they found the band, but they found us years ago and started kind of coming to the shows. And then we eventually became friends. And then, uh, and then they, put out, they put out Mr. Asylum and that record just like blew up so hard for them. And they, you know, started inviting us on a lot of their tours. And like, I mean, it's just some of the best memories of my life is out being on the road with them because they're a really special, unique band and they have a really special, unique fan base. <laughs> um, I've never really encountered anything like it playing with other opening for other artists. Their fan base is just so, so passionate about music and like really present and really like really focused, really, really focused. Um, and I don't know, I, I love it. I, I love touring with the band like Highly Suspect because they put on a good show every single night. Uh, it's a show that I like to watch, which is always like the best when you're out with a band who you are actually captivated by their set. So um, I loved I, I, I love the band for sure. <laughs> they're they're really they've always been really sort of an easy time for me on the road and uh, an act that I've been super happy to go out with. And also, I will say Madison, Wisconsin, they sold like 
three, 4,000 tickets. Like they have, they have a really, really meaningful fan base in Madison and something, (laughs) something that is like, seriously, I'm so grateful to tour with an act like that because they have so many fans in cities that we, that we don't like, for example, Wichita, Kansas. Yeah. Like who knew? And then they, they go play Wichita and like, you know, 3,500 people show up. Yeah. (laughs) And like, you know, when we, we've never headlined Wichita before and we probably would not unless we got to do a show like that. And then we sort of get to meet the people out there and, and develop a little bit of the fan base. And then we can go back to those territories that are a little bit like underserved by, um, by musicians. Cause it's just like hard to sell tickets there. But uh, I love playing markets like that where people don't think to go as much. I find that some of the most meaningful fans can be there. How excited are you to hit the road with Manchester orchestra? I'm stoked. I'm really, really excited. I think it'll be, it'll be great. The tour kicks off in Dallas and I love Dallas. Dallas is actually one of our, one of our favorite markets to play uh, as, as a headlining band. So I think it'll be really cool to start there and I'm excited to see what happens. It'll be an interesting, an interesting tour for sure. Unfortunately, that one doesn't come through the Midwest. Do you guys have any plans for a, a tour maybe next year after the winter? Yes, that's exactly right. We we sort of thought about like, you know, should we try to put together a headline tour for 2021 or 2022? And then when the opportunity with Manchester Orchestra came up, we were like, all right, let's do 2022. So we are going to be doing a big headline tour in 2022. And I will definitely do everything I can to make sure Madison's on that list. I, I'm sure it will be. I'm sure it will be. <laughs> we'll see how much pull you have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, do you still live in Boston? No, actually. So I grew up in Boston and then uh, my family still lives there. And then I moved to New York and I lived in New York for a really long time. And that's where the band uh, kind of had had their like moment of developing. We, we loved New York because it's a city where we could play out multiple nights a week. And it didn't it, at, the, at that time in our life, it didn't matter how many people came to the show. Promoters weren't really I don't know, maybe they weren't paying attention. I was just like, I'm so stoked to play. You know, I just graduated college. We were just really excited. Um, And then once we got to the level where the ticket sales did become important and it was like, hey, you know, we actually, we need you to, we want you guys to play this room. That's an 800 capacity. Like that means you can't play twice a week, obviously, you know? So once that started to happen, we moved to to Los Angeles and uh, we're living there for a while and sort of, you know, not do not doing the same thing that we were doing in New York, but having more space to do it. And our, our record label is based out there and they have a studio, which has been cool because that's where we recorded our last two records. So when it comes to touring, would you rather be back in Boston during the winter with your family celebrating the holidays? Or would you rather be like touring around like the desert <laughs> where it's a little warmer? Mm. So here's the thing, actually, I, and I haven't really like talked about this because it's just still happening, but I just like, lo- like maybe a week and a half ago, moved to South Florida. Oh, so I mean, the, the band will still be operating out of LA because that's where we have a practice space and everything, but I'm currently in South Florida. So just went to the beach this morning. It's when my yeah. hair is wet. It was <laughs> awesome. So, you know, in terms of like the winter, like I plan on being here more or less, like, you know, we're, I'm always happy to fly out for, uh, for show opportunities or for sessions or whatever it is that feels, uh, feels like, you know, worth traveling for, but 
most likely I'll be, I'll be in and out of, in and out of Florida. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, we'll yeah. see how it goes. Yeah. Your fifth studio album, Parallel Timeline, is coming out in September. How was the writing and production of this album different than previous releases? So for this album, we spent more time on demos than we have in the past because the point at which this record was kind of in development, we were still, we were touring a lot. And that's sort of what happens is you get, when you become a more active band, you end up being like, well, we have to be working on our record sort of simultaneously to touring. Luckily for everyone, I'm a really active songwriter and I've always had a really big back catalog of songs. So, you know, for example, the first song off that record is called Cranium. We put that, that was the first single that we put out. And the other day I was looking through it, my God, in this move, I've like, you know, up, upheavaled a lot of my belongings and I have a massive, massive, massive notebook collection as you might expect. So I have like tons of journals and I found the journal that I wrote the lyrics to Cranium in. And you know what year that was? I wasn't sure what year the lyrics were from. 2012. Wow. I was like, this is crazy. It almost like disturbed me. I was like, I wrote this in 2012. I, I didn't realize it was that long ago, but that's kind of how my mind works is I'll, you know, start working on a song and let it kind of marinate in itself and develop over time. And then it will become whatever it becomes or not. But that's, that's always kind of been the nature of our records is I, I just, I wrote so much music before I had a sort of clear lane to release it. And now that I do, it's like, I kind of will, I'll, I'll pull up that stuff. So yeah, with your single once more for the ocean, you said you didn't even plan on writing it and you felt like this song was handed to you by the sea. How literal was that statement? Yes. So that one I wrote probably in 20, 2018 2018 I would say like the summer the summer right before the last the last summer we had if you will <laughs> um and so that was a more recent one and yeah I was I was off uh, on this island called Star Island which is off the coast of Massachusetts uh or New Hampshire actually is where it's off of um and I was just sitting on these really particular rocks that I always sit on there and looking out at the ocean and then the music and lyrics kind of just came to me and I didn't have a guitar with me or anything at all, but I did have the voice memo app on my phone, which has been quite quite a good friend of mine over the past couple of years. Once that came out, I was like, wow, this is a game changer because I'm just the kind of person who will have ideas come through whenever. And it's not always convenient. I, I find that if I like sit down and I'm like, all right, I'm going to write a song, like that's a very different process. And um, that's an amazing process too, but there's something really special about just trying to keep the channel open and let the ideas come through whenever they decide to show up. But what's hard about that is you don't always have uh, the things you need around you to, to, to track the idea. So that's part of why I'm such a serious notebook person is because I, I always have like sort of a range of notebooks too. Like for example, there's one right here that's like really small. So like this is one I could just like take out with me if I wanted to. But that's, that's how I used to do it always is I would just like have a notebook in a pocket and have a, have a pen. I'm pretty particular about the type of pens I like as well. But uh, the, vo- the voice memo thing, I would just start it and then I would just sing whatever it was I was hearing. And it sounds, it sounds, it sounds crazy. When you go back and you listen to these voice notes, it just sounds like someone sort of losing their mind because there's a lot of like humming and then like occasional, like clearly I'm singing a 
baseline, but then I jump into like a harmony and it's just like, it's kind of all over the place. And then I will go back through and listen to those notes if I remembered them. And if, if it felt like a compelling enough note and I'll sort of try to put together the puzzle that is the song. How much do your bandmates have to help you put that puzzle together? Um, it totally depends, but for the most part, I, I pretty much always make the first demo by myself. Um, so I will usually write the song and I usually don't share the song with anyone until it feels pretty much done. Not, not always, but often I just, for me, it actually can be kind of interrupting of the process if I share something too early. Um, everyone's different about that, but for me, it's unless someone is co-writing the song with me and I, there's, I generally, I, I have done a lot of co-writes, but for Slothrest, not, not really. There's one co-write on the next record and it's with my friend Donna Missile. So uh, that one's a little different, but, but yeah, I usually try to try to get the song together by myself, create a demo of the song and then I'll send it to them. And then we'll talk about production choices and arrangement choices a little bit further. So I kind of like being more or less autonomous in that process for this project. Is it hard to teach them how to, how to play the song that's in your head? Generally speaking, no. Generally speaking, no, because we had, you know, been working together for long enough that we kind of had a similar sensibility about things. And uh, everyone is a very practiced player. So for the most part, for the most part, things have come together for us pretty fluidly. That isn't always the case. There are definitely songs that have been a little a little trickier than others. Or, or ones that I had very specific ideas for that could be a little bit um, hard to communicate, but you know everyone has a really strong ear, so it's usually it's usually worked out quite well. And we also are all multi instrumentalists, so if there's something really specific on drums that I am hearing, I'll just play it and say this is this is what I'm looking for here, you know. And then everyone will kind of bring their own touch to things, and we'll discuss and take it from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How much, if any, influence do you have on the music videos for the songs? A ton, a ton. The for this record, um, the, all the videos you've seen so far from this album, which there are three, they were all uh, a collaboration between me and my friend Adam Stone. And Adam is someone who I've worked with for a really long time. Who's just he's just an amazing artist. He's he's I would say right now he probably identifies most strongly as a visual artist and an illustrator he does these like really really detailed sort of like right now he's studying he's studying bogs and swamps and so he does these like detailed his stuff's amazing it's really really it's it's obsessive stuff it's cool um but I love Adam and he's been a fan of the band for a really long time and has done a few videos for us in the past and so uh, on this record, I sort of ultimately ended up being like taking the role of creative direction more seriously. I've done that on the prior albums as well, but on this one, because there was more time, I really thought a lot about what type of visual world I wanted to construct and what the iconography should be and how things should connect. And so there's a lot of like Easter eggs kind of sprinkled in a bunch of those videos. Uh, and it was it was really, really cool to do that package of three videos with him and fun to sort of put together that process would you ever release like a list of all the easter eggs yeah totally totally i did a podcast where i talked about some of them um i'll tell you one of them which is in the music video for cranium i'm sort of playing this like absurdist hypnotist 
type character. I became really, really, really into hypnotism during quarantine. I like just became very, I don't know. I just became really, really curious about it and was like, how does this work? You know? And it's, it's still, it's still a very mysterious thing. And it's really quite interesting to me. I'm definitely going to get back on the hypnotism research train. But uh, at one point I'm, I'm tracing shapes like this and the shapes I'm tracing are actually the shapes that I reference uh, in a song of ours from two albums ago, which is called Magnets Part Two. I list a bunch of shapes in that song, and those are the shapes that I'm tracing in the video. So, wow, yeah. In the video for Once More for the Ocean, there's a little clip of tarot cards. Is that yes. a real life, or is that more of a symbol for something? Dude, I you, I'm so glad you asked because, like, literally, here's the deck. <laughs> it just happens to be next. It just happens to be next to me right now, along with a lot of like really other wild uh, sort of special <laughs> items that I own. Because I mean, I'm sure you know if, if anyone has ever moved before, they know that they mm-hmm. like have this tremendous upheaval of things. So like, I literally, actually, I'll just this is this is cool. Here's here's the crystal ball from Cranium. It's also wow. right next to me. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's cool, and you can even see on the screen just like the way that this shape reflects and creates these like amazing patterns is just yeah it's just so cool and it inverts things which is cool anyway so that's there uh tarot yeah so this is the iris uh oracle deck that's what you see in the thing and i wrote i wrote to them and was like it can i you know can i feature these in the video because i'm you know very much in support of clearing stuff with with other artists and they were so lovely and we're like yes we love the band that's great yes such a win because this deck is this deck is so amazing and uh it's not a traditional tarot deck it's quite esoteric and it's it's a really really powerful tool for sort of uh offering yourself perspective and clarity on anything that you're looking for a little bit of something outside of yourself for and it's it's great it's a good deck i suggest it to anyone (laughs) you also talk about astrology quite a bit can you tell us about your interest in the stars yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I've always, for starters, I've always been fascinated by like space and planets and gravity and magnets and just this, these ways in which certain things attract and repel each other and sort of asking this question of, you know, how much control do we have really? Uh, and I think the answer is some, but not all, you know, some yeah. maybe, but you'll have sort of the most you'll you'll wake up the most when you sort of recognize how much bigger everything is astrology is something i used to have a lot of resistance toward because i used to feel like it would uh just sort of box box me in in a way and i didn't like that and i'm i'm a leo so bless uh but i but i i i felt like the description of leos and like the things that were considered archetypal of that sign i didn't always resonate with and it really, it really, bo- it really bothered me uh, when people would be like, "Oh, you know, you're, you know, Leo is like ego heavy." And it's not that. It's funny because to be defensive of having an ego means that you have an ego problem. Straight up, everyone has an ego thing going on. That's that's just part of being a human. That's 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 the deal, you know. Uh, and what astrology really is, if you get closer to it, is it's like a great, a great tool for self analysis and self observation. And once I understood it on a deeper level and saw that like, you know, your sun sign is one thing, but then there's all these other components and things that were happening 
in the cosmos that sort of create whatever predispositions you're trying to understand about yourself. You see that it's, it's greater than just one thing. It's been a really cool tool to look at. I understand. Um, I definitely have a greater understanding of myself after seeing sort of my, my chart in more of its totality. So if you're a Leo, did you just have a birthday or is your birthday coming up? It's coming up. <laughs> well, happy birthday. Thank you. When's your birthday? <laughs> Mine's not until November. I'm a Scorpio. Scorpio? I was about to say you're a Scorpio. Uh, my, my, my family, all, all three, actually, actually, technically one of them is a, I think technically one, one of them is not a Scorpio, but but one of them is maybe Sagittarius cuss, but two of them are definitely Scorpios. So <laughs> yeah, me yeah. and my brother are uh, five days apart, five days and six years. Um, and then I have a nephew that's right there. My husband's a week away. Like all of us are in the first two really? weeks. Really? Yeah. And nice. then like, end of October, we're all right in a row. So all the celebrations are at the same time. <laughs> nice. And then I took the Slothrust Mind Your Mood Horoscope quiz about an hour ago. It says, today, I'm a Scorpio with Aquarius energy. Yeah, Aquarius energy is great. That's fun. Yeah, it says that I should take advantage of that energy and and start new projects and stuff today. Nice. (laughs) Good. Good. Don't know what I'm going to do yet, but yeah. Sure. Uh (laughs) Definitely inspired. (laughs) Amazing. Are you watching the Olympics? Um, I have seen clips of it. I've seen clips of the Olympics. I, I don't have a, I don't have a TV and I don't have cable. Okay. So no, <laughs> but also like the Olympics are fascinating. I'm really, I'm always like curious about people who have really intense like body discipline like that and sort of are able to do these things that seem impossible and make them look easy. So I'm definitely curious about the Olympics, but I haven't been like actively pursuing it. I saw a little bit of, I saw a little bit of swimming the other night and I'm actually, I'm despite just, you know, coming back from the beach, I'm not an amazing swimmer. And uh, (laughs) it's not that I'm a bad swimmer. It's just like, I never really like got good at it. So it's a little, it gets a little wacky, but, (laughs) but it's really, really cool to watch someone else do it in this like fluid way. It's like, I think that, you know, sports at their, highest vibration to me look like choreography Mm -hmm. all right my last question what do you wish people knew about your band if they've never heard of you before like before they make any judgments about what your music sounds like or what you look like like what do you Uh want them to think or just know a fact about your band that you want them to know before they know about you that's an interesting question no one's ever asked me that before uh, maybe what I want them to know is that they are free to make of the songs whatever they want to make of the songs. They can be as open to interpretation as they want to be. And I'm really happy for people to hear in the music whatever it is that they need to hear in that exact moment. Nice. Thank you so much for your time today. We're going to check out Once More for the Ocean by Sloth Rust right now in The Resistance. Awesome. Thanks so much.